Welcome to the Motherhood Village podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Gonzalez Cumberbatch, and I know firsthand that it takes a village to raise a child, but most importantly, that it takes a village to uplift a mother. A mother's village is necessary and can take up many forms. Consider this podcast as part of your motherhood village. No matter the season of motherhood you're in, every conversation will give you more tools to add to your parenting toolbox and you'll feel supported, inspired, and uplifted. So let's get into an informative and empowering conversation. Hello and welcome to the Motherhood Village podcast. I am on with a very special guest. I have Dr. Andrea Niles, who is a clinical psychologist and founder of Prospera Mental Health and Wellness. She has studied anxiety and depression treatments and maternal mental health for 17 years and is passionate about making high quality mental health care widely accessible and affordable to everyone. Prospera is a mental health platform designed specifically for moms. It provides weekly one-on-one sessions with perinatal certified mental health coaches and a library of digital tools specifically designed to support moms' mental health. Love that. I am so excited to talk to you, Andrea, or Dr. Andrea. But before we dive in, I always ask my guests to to talk about a favorite book or one that they really want to recommend. It could be multiple. Some people say, this is my favorite book. This is one that had the most impact. This is one a mom should read. So yeah, share, share all the resources. <laughs> so I am going to suggest this book here, Good Moms Have Scary Thoughts. It's an incredible resource for moms. It talks about lots of different kinds of mental health challenges that moms will face and um, has incredible kind of ways of of thinking about and reframing, you know, what's going on with mental health postpartum. So definitely recommend that for for all moms. I love that. Thank you. Okay. So I know your mission is to reduce all barriers for moms to access high quality mental health support. Two questions. One, why is that important to you? And why is it necessary? I know why I had my own issues and I'm glad in 2023, we're talking more about perinatal mental health and what that means. I didn't even know that was a thing, but why are you so passionate about this particular, I guess, niche when it comes to mental health and really supporting moms? Yeah. So I am a scientist by training. So I uh, was in the world of research. I was studying treatments that are effective for anxiety and depression. These are behavioral therapies. And so we're sort of drilling down into the details of these treatments in the scientific world. But unfortunately, in the real world, people don't have access to them at just a basic level. And so I've always been really passionate about providing access to evidence-based therapies for anxiety and depression. And so that has sort of permeated my whole career. Uh, And then I became a mom now almost five years ago. And I faced my own challenges during pregnancy, during postpartum, you know, traumatic birth experience. I sought my own mental health support and faced all the barriers that everyone I talk to in this world faces, which is things like weightless and cost. And this is a population that needs to be able to have access to mental health support fast and affordably and easily. And so I really became passionate about working to make mental health care accessible specifically for moms. I want to ask, how was it to practice maternal mental health before you became a mom and after. And I see the smile on your face because it's probably like, because you don't know, I think until you know, right? Like we know the memes and all the things and it really is true. And obviously 
everyone's journey to becoming a mom. Once they become a mom, birth is different, postpartum, all the things. But there are a lot of similarities because we know everything changes, may not change to the same level as each other, but something transformative takes place. So how was that for you practicing before motherhood and after motherhood? Yeah, I mean, I would say before it was kind of understanding it intellectually and sort of being able to empathize in a way of like, I'm a woman and I sort of see my mom and and you know you can you can sort of understand it conceptually and you know that it's coming for you and so it's relevant. Um, but after being a mom, I would say probably the biggest difference is you know when I'm talking with moms and I've talked with at this point you know, hundreds and hundreds of moms struggling uh, with their mental health. And I can just hear myself in what they, you know, what they say. And sometimes they're talking and I'm just going like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like I can just picture myself in in, in your shoes. And so it's just sort of a different level of understanding that experience. No, and that makes sense. That something that is more, like you said, conceptually, and you can just get it. You're you're a woman. You're empathizing as anyone could. As when my girlfriends who had their little ones before me, and I'm like, oh my god, I can only imagine. And then you have your child, and you're like, oh no, I really get it now. And there's a certain level that comes with it. Let's talk about some of the common mental health challenges women face during pregnancy and postpartum, um, because I know it's very important for you to have women have access to it. But I think it's also important for women to understand what it means, because I think sometimes we don't know even what we're going through. Birth trauma, again, something that I think we've heard maybe more in the most recent years, not something that's been a most common term. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about briefly birth trauma and postpartum rage, those two things. And I know they're different. And even I've heard of pregnancy rage, but let's start with the birth trauma first. What is that? And if there's a woman possibly has gone through that, what are signs to look for that they would know that they would have birth trauma? Yeah. So, so by definition, the clinical definition of trauma is basically an experience where you fear for your life or your safety, or there's some sort of potential for pain or serious injury. And so so birth is really kind of the, the perfect storm for trauma because we all go into it knowing that there are the potential for complications and ultimately death. So we kind of go into it knowing that and so what what that means is that when there are complications which are pretty common or you know things don't go according to plan that's kind of in the back of your mind right that that you might die. And so I think a, I think a lot of moms will go through some experience that isn't how they planned or there's some problem or some issue the doctors have to intervene and they fear that's that you know that there's going to be some terrible consequence for themselves or the baby and so that's by definition that's trauma and when you have a traumatic experience then you can have postpartum or or sort of post traumatic symptoms that are residual after that traumatic experience and so it's something that that is actually quite common following a, a birth experience. Yeah, I know. And it's it's sad because I know actually a, a prior guest that I just recently talked to, we were really talking about expectations. And I would imagine a lot of it comes from the expectation, like you said, either the expectation that the minute we hear something, we automatically think, oh, something bad is going to happen. Or the expectation we think, oh, we're going to have this magical birth because I had a great pregnancy and then something, and then we're traumatized in that way. My, my Second question with the postpartum rage, and then I'm going to 
kind of tie them together. What are some examples for moms and partners to listen and, and for partners to hear that their wives can kind of maybe possibly be going through when we talk about postpartum rage or pregnancy rage? What does that look like? I'm six years in and sometimes I have to stop myself. A lot of times I know it's because I have unneeds met but I've, I've done the work. I've, I've talked to a lot of experts on here so I could recognize, but I know that there's something, there's a little bit more serious that once we have that child, that it's a little bit more, I guess, prevalent, you know, than just a mom who's overly stressed. So talk about the postpartum and pregnancy rage. Yeah. So postpartum rage is really interesting because there's not a lot of scientific research on it. So it's not a, a not really well understood concept in the scientific world that I that I came from. But, you know, having talked with so many women, there are some really interesting patterns that I see. So one thing is, is sort of overstimulation. So sounds, it could be, you know, you have baby crying, you have a toddler saying, mommy, 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 and you have the dogs and you're sleep deprived. So it's sort of all of these pieces coming together, which then sort of leads you to this point of snapping or sort of this rage kind of boiling over. So I see that that sort of sensory overstimulation seems to be a trigger. The other thing that's really interesting is that, and this is not, you know, universally the case, but a lot of the time when moms are calling in with, with rage and looking for help with rage, they tend to have a toddler who's somewhere between like two and three and a new baby. And I think that toddler stage when there's so much resistance and so much, you know, no, I don't want to do that. Everything feels hard. And then you have that on top of a baby, you know, with lots of needs and, you know, in your sleep deprived on, you know, on top of all of that, that combination, I think really sets the stage for having challenges managing anger. It's so interesting because yes, a lot of my moms that are within my circle, within my community here in South Florida, that a lot of times is the case. What's interesting and kind of funny to me is that in the situation I'm in, my son is six years old, just started kindergarten. And I was like, oh, this is a whole nother level of parenting that I wasn't aware of. And where I thought I had it, he had been at his preschool for four years. So we had the routine and I was like, wow, they don't talk about, we don't talk about enough the loss and the transition from when parents change from preschool to school age, kindergarten and the realness of that. And the reason why I say that is because you're mentioning like toddlers having kind of that, like that power struggle and tantrums. My son, we actually were like scathed. Like we didn't have really terrible twos. He would have his moments, but we knew if he was tired or hungry. Now in kindergarten, oh, this is a whole different level. I can see it again from a perspective that I think because he's holding it all together in kindergarten, it's a lot more pressure. There's tests, there's stress. So when I think when he comes home, he's just like unloading because a lot of the rage that my girlfriends had with their two or three-year-olds we're just now seeing. But anyway, I say all that to say that the transitions in motherhood, we don't talk about. And I'm like, does, can anyone help me? <laughs> like I'm past the postpartum of that, like in it, like we survived it, but now we're in like the big leagues, right? We're in school age and the things. So that just was what it, it brought me to, because we, we are, we're dealing with some things that I'm like, oh, I'm like, okay, like now we have to see this a whole different way because I think he's dealing with some pent up rage. And that's a real thing, is it not? Yeah, you mean the transitions or well, I mean yes, absolutely both. so much <laughs> so much change that 
the the child just makes these incredible yes. leaps in development and emotionality. And once you've sort of gotten the hang of it, suddenly you're in a, <laughs> a totally different world with new new problems. So it's always yes. <laughs> always trying to catch up. <laughs> yes, for sure. So but yeah, but anyway, it just brought me to that because I think, you know, and, and to the point, right? So we thinking, oh, we we got we we made it through toddlerhood. And then here we go with a whole nother set of things, which goes back to, and I want to talk about the services that Prospera provides, because dealing with the postpartum rage, which you say is not, and I believe it, you know, of like, there's not a lot of things really talked about it, but we experienced because you're like talking to all of these women, you're like, oh, but I'm seeing it. And there's something obviously going on. I think the overstimulation is very real. There's social media, there's expectations. This this millennial parenting now is so different than anything that I think generations have experienced before. But talk to me about how Prospera can help, right? And the services that you provide and how it works. And if I'm a mom in need, because you said one of your, you know, your mission is to kind of make it accessible, how Prospera does that. Yeah. And so having been through the process myself of looking for a therapist and also sort of seeing other people doing this, you know, my whole career, I wanted to make that process just like really, really smooth and really, really easy. And people have told us that this is like a dream. Like, I don't even believe this is actually real. And so, so basically we provide one-on-one -on -one weekly sessions with perinatal certified mental health coaches. So, so our whole team is trained in maternal mental health. We have no wait list, so you can literally schedule a call for you know a few hours from now. We have a free phone consult, so we sort of talk through what's been going on, make sure you're a good fit. And then from there, if you want to start, you just can subscribe. We have a monthly subscription model, and you can get an appointment literally the next day, so you're not waiting. And yeah, everything is sort of online. You can schedule online, so it's really streamlined. It's all via video, so you can do it you know from wherever. And then the cost is is really affordable. So we're we're trying to also make it affordable. We have the lowest cost plan is $39 per session, which is like a fraction of the cost of any kind of therapy. And these um, are real healthcare professionals. Yeah. So the so they're they're not licensed mental health professionals. So this is the way that we're trying to make it gotcha. really accessible. We're trying to really expand the care and make yes. it affordable. Um, but our coaches are really really amazing. And we we certify them internally. So we take them through our own program written by myself and my co-founder based on our many years of experience. We we train them and then we oversee them. Our clinical team oversees the coaches sort of on an ongoing basis to make sure that they're really adhering to the you know absolute best practices in terms of, of clinical care. And I would imagine though, if they come across a mom, like it's even with me and my support groups, like I'm not a mental health professional, I'm not licensed, but I can easily tell when there is a mom that might need a little bit more support than just coming to get some support from other moms. And then I can be like, oh, let me refer her. So I would imagine it's similar, right? So that if they call and they're talking to a coach and a coach is like, oh, wait, this is a little bit deeper than what I'm able to handle. They can then suggest to go a little bit deeper with maybe the session. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And we have our own guidelines in terms of the boundaries of what we can sure. support as you know team of coaches so things like you know active suicidality postpartum psychosis these more serious mental health issues we then refer to a licensed you know licensed uh, mental health professional i love that now tell me is this anyone 
all 50 states. Like, talk to me about the accessibility in that way where I can be in Florida and I can register to meet with a coach. So talk to me about that in, in regards to access. Yep. All 50 states. And in fact, we can serve people outside of the United States as well, although the majority of our clients are in the U.S. now. So anybody can call from anywhere. We have coaches across the U.S. So we also have a ton of availability from five in the morning to like nine o'clock at night. So just making it really, really easy to capture all the challenges that that moms face. I love that. And then I see here, I'm on your website, you can you have a free postpartum mental health guide. That's mm-hmm. awesome that people can get. No, this is great. No, I love it. Because it's I think there's something like I said, to it to where if a mom's in need, and you can automatically see and say, Okay, well, let me connect you with a coach, let me connect you with, you know, whatever that looks like for them to get the help. So this is awesome. I have a couple of more questions for you here for yourself what do you do to release, reset and recharge? And what do you do to fill your cup? Because again, I have, I run a couple support groups and it allows the moms to kind of just connect, release. And I am overstimulated at the end of that and have poured myself into it. So I would imagine with the work that you do, it it can be a lot, right? So how do you pour into yourself to make sure that you can probably be there for your clients, for your patients and being a mom and being a friend and being all the other things that Andrea needs to be. Yeah, I would say probably kind of the most basic things. I always make sure that I'm getting enough sleep. My my kids mercifully are sleeping through the night now. So I, so I really try to make sure that I am getting, you know, seven to eight hours of sleep. Exercise for me is probably like the number one thing that supports my mental health. And that's specific, you know, for me. So like, I need to make sure that I I figure out how to do that. So I exercise really consistently. I try to kind of maintain my diet because I know those three things are just really critical to just be able to be present and engaged during the day and sort of help support everything else. So, so those kinds of things. And then I also love to bake. So I try to, you know, find time to do that. And other than that, I'm yeah, just running, running between all the different things. And I also, I love my work to be, to be honest, like, yes, it's stressful at times, but I, I look forward to it. And I feel like that's kind of a, a, a blessing to be able to go to work and to love what you do and be able to have that time for myself to really do something towards my career. So. No, for sure. And I mean, I, I look at it with the motherhood village. Like, I love what I do, but then you're like, I don't want to run a business. <laughs> you know, then you're like mentally maxed because you're like, well, I wish I didn't have to worry about all the other things and I could just support moms. But I love how you said that of like the sleep. I think that's something that comes up often as well with my moms. And I think sometimes we take it for granted. My little guy sleeps through the night. Thank God. He kind of was always been a good sleeper. So we had that. But I will then want to stay up late or I will then want to take that time because I feel like I didn't have time during the day and I always used to kick myself because that particular night he would get up in the middle of the night or I didn't or something happened and then I would be like wow Nicole why didn't you just sleep because I think rest as a mom is something we're always trying to catch up on like I still wake up in the middle of the night at least once a night I'm either checking a monitor did I hear something no matter what and all of my mom friends that are much older than me that have older kids, they're like, that will never, ever change. So I think sleep is is really, really big. And I feel like we just never can get enough of it. <laughs> 
<laughs> so prioritize it though. But I like how, because I think it's got, so the mom's listening to this, like if you can, and I know maybe the season that you're in, but it's just so important to do because when you think like, oh, I'll just stay up late or I'll just do this. And listen, if it fills your cup and you don't care about the consequence, roll with it. Sometimes I do need to watch TV and kind of disconnect, but maybe take that extra snooze, you know, than watching a Netflix show. That's just my thing. So yes. How can people connect with you with Prospera? Obviously, I'll put this all in the show notes, but how they can, where do they go to the website, social media? What is the best way to kind of contact? Why don't you talk about that? And then we'll go with the final thoughts. Yeah. So maybe I'll start with my social media. And so I'm on Instagram, Dr. Andrea Niles. I'm posting there. I post there every day about all different aspects of maternal mental health. So you can definitely follow me there and reach out to me, you know, via DM. I reply to, to messages there if you have questions or anything. And then if you did, if you're curious about our program and you, you want to do a phone consult, you can go to our website and kind of explore and learn about the program, prosperamhw.com. And then from there, yeah, we have our postpartum mental health guide. It, it gives some kind of different exercises to manage anxiety and stress. And then we have our free phone consult. If you wanted to learn more about the program, see if it might be a fit for you. So lots of different options to learn more and get some support. That's awesome. Do you have any other final thoughts? Anything that if someone had to listen to this episode and you're like, here are a couple key takeaways to take, what would you like to share to the moms listening? I would say, I think sometimes people kind of, are reticent to get mental health support because I mean, there's, you know, there's stigma and, you know, it means I can't do it myself. And, you know, maybe something's wrong with me or I'm weak. You know, we have these kind of beliefs about, you know, about getting help. Um, and I would say, you know, to, to have a low bar for reaching out for support. And that's one of the things we're trying to do at Prospera is say, look, you know, everybody can access this. It's not that expensive. You know, it's really easy to get into it. If you're, not enjoying motherhood as much as you would like, if you're not feeling like yourself, you know, why not just try something, reach out for support, get some kind of coping tools and strategies. It could make a huge difference. So sort of having a low bar for reaching out for support, you know, don't, don't wait because if you wait, things can get worse and it can really, you can look back and say, well, I really wish I had done something about that. I didn't miss out on that, on that period of my, my life and enjoying that time. So yeah, have a, have a low bar to, to reach out for support. I love that. I think I heard someone say about a therapist that someone had told them like, oh, then you must be going through something because they said they had a therapist or a coach. And she was like, no, like it actually is like my, just like I would see a doctor yearly, right? It just allows me to check in. And I think there is, I think with what you're doing with companies and organizations like yours that are making it more accessible, I think the future, right? There's a bright side to all of this to where hopefully it's not that we're still talking about perinatal mental health and trying to understand what it is that we at this point will know and that women are actually actively seeking help without the stigma and then without feeling like, well, maybe there's something wrong and can recognize it faster. That's why in the beginning I asked those questions because I think sometimes because we're moving a mile a minute, like we just like, I know I, I fall into that trap where I'm not thinking about me. I'm like, I'm just trying to get food on the table and get trying to get my son out the door do that what I have to do for my business. So I'm not thinking about, well, what needs am I, what needs of mine are unmet or what do I need to sit with someone that's making me lash out, right? Like all of these things, but that's why these conversations are so 
important. So thank you. Thank you, Dr. Andrea. Is it Andrea or Andrea? Andrea. (laughs) Andrea, okay. For coming on, for sharing such great um, insights for the work that you're doing with Prospera. And I'm glad we were able to have this conversation and I will let you know once it drops. So continued blessings to you for love and light. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this impactful episode of the Motherhood Village podcast. Subscribe to my show so you'll never miss a future episode. You may also rate and review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with someone that can use it as part of their Motherhood Village. Remember, your village can take up many forms and you do not have to do it alone. Connect with me at themotherhoodvillage.com. Blessings to you for love and light.